live stream is starting. Let's get this show. Okay, hello everyone and welcome to the coffee chat during your month of September. I appreciate you joining us today to listen to many individuals talk about what's going on in the Monero ecosystem. We have a large update coming forward in the next few weeks, so stay tuned to hear some of the things that are coming with that update. But as always, let's get started with some brief introductions here. So my name is Justin. I work for DB Chain, which is a cryptocurrency OTC desk, and I work in compliance. I'm the organizer of the Monero community work group. So mostly that means just getting people to show up for these calls. That's, that's a big part of it. And uh, so let's go through a few other people that I was able to wrangle today into these calls. So first, um, let's start with Arctic Mine. Can you introduce yourself for us all, please? Um, my name is uh, Francesco Cabanas. I am one of the Monero core team members, and I've been involved in the Monero community since, oh, let's say around 2014. So we'll leave it at that. I think I was involved since 2012, so I think I have you beat on that regard. <laughs> in the Monero, no, no, I'm talking Bitcoin. Bitcoin oh, okay. is 2011. <laughs> That's different. Uh, Monero didn't exist back then. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, I. I was making it in my shed. I'm actually thankful for today. Okay, so let's listen to another thankful thankful for today, imposter. Need Money Ninety, can you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, I'm Need Money Ninety. I'm a moderator in the community, uh, and I do various things having to do with coordination and deciding what policies are uh, are good for our general community. Very nice, Need Money 90. How about you, Saray? I am uh, Saray Noether, uh, also known as Dr. Brandon Goodell. I uh, work at the Monero Research Lab, um, and I do research uh, on Monero and other cryptocurrencies. Excellent, very nice. I don't think you've been on one of these in a while, so it's great to see your face on these again. Thanks. All right, Scott, are you, are you here to introduce yourself? Yep, yep. Uh, I'm Maximash Scott. Uh, I do pretty minor stuff, but I like to do it all the same. Uh, mainly localizer and help out with DEF CON stuff when it's DEF CON season. Very nice. It seems like the scheduling period for DEF CON just keeps growing earlier and earlier. So I'm sure we're starting next week, right? Probably. Anyway. No, I mean, January maybe, but yeah. <laughs> Good night. Yes, of course. Okay, um, if this is your first coffee chat, make sure that you ask questions in the chat. I have it on my screen here, so I'm paying attention. Ask your questions, we're here to answer them. Otherwise, I'm gonna get kick started with a brief review of what has happened over the past month. Um, of course, if you want to go on a week by week basis, and um, yeah, one question, is it okay if you drink tea? Yes, but I am drinking coffee. So you're welcome to drink tea, but I'm drinking coffee. And um, yeah, so to cover, if you want to see something week by week, Diego has the Monero Worldwide, which I'll link in chat, which covers what's happened week by week. He actually had a, a, what he's calling a periodical. These are what actually spawned the first editions of the Worldwide. The Worldwide used to be a quarterly report that ran for like one or two editions, and then it became too much work. So he decided to make it a weekly thing instead. But we have this, this periodical that just came out. I'll link that in chat. It covers a lot of things that happened in the first quarter of this year for Monero. The second quarter one will be out pretty soon. 
Uh, Serhak announced he's working on the second edition of Mastering Monero. Mastering Monero is a free resource that is available for people to view online. They can get a physical print copy if they prefer. And there's recently a Chinese community that works with Monero and they actually translated Monero into Chinese. So we're in negotiations now to get a copy of that out there too. So that's really interesting. New updated version coming out and translated versions of this work coming out. So hopefully it will continue to be a really good resource for people. Um, what other things went on? Oh, Cake Wallet added a dark mode and what they're calling the Black Forest Cake Edition. So check that out if you are an iOS user. Um, they've announced that their Android one is still coming soon. So that's something to, to keep in mind. And uh, Biddy added more Monero ATMs uh, in Switzerland. Um, Ercisione continued his work with the localization work group. If you're interested in translating Monero in other languages, um, software, website, those sorts of things. They have a web light, which is up on translate.getmonero.org. That is you know, a new development in the past, we tried to use Poodle, but we, we migrated over and we're testing that new system out. Other things, uh, Daniel Kim uploaded a really great talk from DEF CON to this channel. So if you're watching this here, please go watch his channel uh, video too. It's about an hour long and it's really, really excellent. So I'd highly recommend that. And um, Bitsy, which is an exchange that is, you know, trying to market themselves within the Monero community, is uh, indicated that they are launching Monero Future soon. Binance started lending Monero. I wanna give a few quick facts before we can move on to like everything else I wanna talk about. But um, you know, it was open yesterday for people to deposit Monero for lending. In total, there were 10,718 Monero, sorry, that was deposited there. And in total, everyone who deposited these funds will split 14.38 Monero as payout. So if you deposited the full, 300 max Monero, then you're getting 0.4 Monero and an interest payment. So not too much, but it's only for 14 days. Um, uh, Binance announced this along with Dash and Zcash lending too. About 780,000 was deposited in Monero, 413,000 in Dash, 863,000 in Zcash for USD equivalent. So it's good that we have these lending markets for Monero too, because it means that people can hold on to Monero and still use it for other investment purposes. It means that the general ecosystem is more stable from a financial perspective, there are more options available. Okay, so now that most of those announcements are out of the way, I want to uh, bring up a really important topic. One thing that has gone on in the Monero ecosystem since the last coffee chat is a strong focus on getting a regulatory work group put together. Uh, Binary Fate, who's a Monero core team member, announced that he is having a policy and regulation workgroup meeting in the Monero Community Workgroup IRC channel next Wednesday, so, so September the 25th, I guess that means this Wednesday the 25th um, at 1700 UTC, so that is about now, and, sorry, uh, about an hour from now. And so if you're interested in participating in that, I highly encourage you to follow that GitHub issue, which I'll link here in a second, and um, I'm going to hand it off to Arctic Mind to give a little bit more details about that and to open up this regulatory discussion. Um, well, first of all, I'm familiar with the uh, discussion and Reddit, but I think more interesting is what's happening right now with respect to, in particular, um, the travel rule 
uh, from um, F FATF uh, regulations and how some of the exchanges are responding to that. So that's an immediate challenge. There is also a lot of misconceptions. I mean, for example, a lot of people believe that Monero's privacy is a hindrance to AML NYC, when in fact in certain situations it's actually the opposite. It can actually be very useful um, in this respect. There is a lot of um, also concerns with respect to misinterpretation of regulations. Uh, and in particular, one that's been, that was uh, raised by Binary Fate actually, was this the lobbying efforts of a lot of the um, chain analysis companies who want to push chain analysis as a means of AML NYC, which essentially puts the, uh, a lot of regulators at odds with Monero. Uh, there was some great work done on this by uh, uh, Coin Center. Who, who did some very good work with respect to some of the lobbying to the FATC. So there's been a lot of discussion and work on this issue. Um, I think it's really valuable to have a focused work group that would deal with um, regulatory issues in a, in a broad sense, in particular also be able to liaise with exchanges and with regulators um, and make sure that there's correct information about Monero out there rather than misconceptions. So that's kind of uh, a lot of the essence of it. The, of course, there's the Reddit uh, thread if people want to follow some of the discussion on that and some of binary face comments, for example. Uh, and, and there's a lot of value in, in, this, uh, in this kind of proposal. So I, I kind of leave it at that. Um, I think it should be um, separate from a sort of an overall outreach group because it's very specialized in nature. So I will leave it at that. And uh, if people have questions and more discussion, we'll go from there. Excellent. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for getting us kicked off there. Does anyone else have sort of thoughts in relation to why some exchanges are delisting Monero under regulatory uncertainties is what they claim it to be. Is it related to the travel rule? Are they just not knowing how to interpret the travel rule? So they're taking the most lenient approach. What do you think is the, what, what do you think is really going on here? I mean, I've seen that the most, um, the majority of the countries that seem to have removed Monero are ones that I would generally classify as uh, oppressive regimes. Just in general, from I'm I'm remembering Korea. Um, I'm remembering like a couple. Uh, it, it was what Saudi Arabia, Korea. Um, I I I haven't seen any in like the European exchanges, etc. Unless I'm missing something. Um, you know, one of the weird things about <laughs> cryptocurrency and and the current like securities climate or whatever you want to call. Um, what's revolving around tokens right now is that if you were just a bank and you had to file a suspicious activity report, you wouldn't have to file any information about where that money went because you don't know where it went. You just transferred money for your customer and it happened to look suspicious. So you had to file a report. Um, but financial exchanges um, allegedly have to deal with significantly more reporting requirements tracking where money is flowing. Um, and this is the so-called travel rule that uh, SGP brought up a minute ago. I just wanted to clarify that for um, folks who are listening. Um, I may comment on the, on the Korean situation. 
Uh, and there's a lot of misconceptions there. Uh, and one of the misconceptions is that privacy is a hindrance to the tribal rule. In fact, a proper analysis of that is that it's quite the opposite. It's actually beneficial. The tribal rule itself is specifically relates to transfers between financial institutions, which in this case will be exchanges. And so part of the issues is how do you tell apart, for example, that you have the same person at both ends of beneficial owners, who is actually signing the transaction? Is this actually the individual or is it an exchange on behalf of the individual? Uh, and one example that I'd love to, ch to share, that I will actually share specifically because it's commonly used in the United States, is the practice of micro-deposits. Now, micro-deposits are, in fact, currently being used very extensively by U.S. financial institutions to address travel relations. And interestingly enough, uh, micro-deposits work with Monero, but do not work with virtually any other cryptocurrency because a micro-deposit dep uh, depends on the fact that the end user um, or the beneficiary is not aware of the micro-deposit unless they get that information from, from the receiving financial institution. Uh, with Monero, you can do that without the end user finding out. With Bitcoin, you cannot because you can just basically trace the address. So the paradox here is that privacy actually enhances and supports the MLNYC with respect to the travel rule, rather than the opposite. The trouble is, is that perception is very different from reality. And I think that's to a large degree what's occurred in Korea. Um, and so the regulators perceive the coin to be riskier because it's private, when in fact that may not be the case at all. Yeah, that's an interesting point in relation to the small amount deposits, because if you're looking at the Bitcoin network, I mean, the amounts are transparent. So like, how do you prove that like you knew that there, you could have been the only one that knew the amount if it was revealed as a public source of information? It's just kind of interesting for me to think about. And not only that, like, you know, these, these commodities like Monero, um, they're designed to prevent tracking, right? And so when you uh, start asking how regulatory rules can be applied to track something that's designed to not be tracked, <clears throat> it, it, it's, it's like a chicken, it's, it's very circular. Um, yeah, I, I hate thinking about this. <laughs> But I would argue that tracking as a means of AMLNYC is fundamentally abhorrent because it puts it in direct conflict with, with uh, um, privacy. NYC stands for know your client, not know your currency. And it's a big difference. So, you're, so the focus has to be on actually getting to know the client so that you can uh, measure anti-money laundering risk rather than try to engage in, in tracking on, on the blockchain which is going to give you hearsay half the time anyway. I mean, how do you know that that transaction was by that person? Is five transactions away? Is that necessarily prove the connection? It, it might give you some indication for a criminal investigation, but it's definitely not something that's an effective AML NYC tool. It can very easily be abused. Um, so that's the thing is the fundamental issue is that the, we do have this law. I come back to the issue of the lobbying by the, the chain analysis companies. They're trying to sell a product and they're looking for a solution. They have a solution. They're trying to sell a solution, and they're looking for a problem for their solution. Well, if you actually realize that there are other ways of dealing with that that are way more effective, 
Yeah, it may put them out of business, but that's the point is not to support a business model. The point is to address legitimate anti-money laundering concerns. And in that respect, uh, the fact that you can't track transactions on a blockchain are not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, in some cases, it can actually, like I said, support it because you can expose amounts. out. So a, I think we need to differentiate the interpretation and application from the actual goal. And, and that's very important in dealing with, with this question. Okay, thanks, Arctic Mind, for your perspective. I just want to give a little bit of background perspective that it's in South Korea is a really interesting case because like Kraken and Binance, for example, still cater to South Korean audiences and they provide Monero services there. So it it seems to be like not a you know regulator asks for blanket ban in this one specific thing. It seems to be more exchanges are interpreting rules in certain ways. And I think that you know, from my experience in the industry, people might interpret regulations in ways that aren't, they're, they're, they're taking the most conservative implementation of that regulation. And I think that generally Monero falls in the, we're worried about this, even though we can't explicitly specify why category. Does it, do other people generally feel the same way or is have they had different experiences? And it looks like Diego is almost hopping on. He just needs a link to this chat. So I'm gonna send that over. We'll get another space in a second here. So one of the Okay, I guess, any, oh, are there any other comments generally? Okay, yeah, so I did, go ahead. I did wanna make a brief comment about regulatory stuff is this. Um, so there's this uh, disincentive against governments from taking action towards banning cryptocurrencies or um, uh, trying to get information from uh, their development teams or trying to hold their development teams like uh, legally liable. There's a game theoretic disincentive against this. If the legal suit that they want to bring um, has a risk of failing because they don't want to insert a uh, 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 precedent into the legal system that works against them. Um, so everybody is very concerned about how banning works and stuff like that. But what I'm seeing in Korea, as far as the smaller exchanges going first, is this would indicate a strategy on the government to sort of like try to strong arm the ones who don't have the same resources as Kraken, um, so for example. Uh, and then once they can get a good precedent set for the smaller companies, they can then go to the larger companies and starts um, using that precedent as leverage. And that's actually what concerns me more about uh, the recent um, exchange activity banning Monero and Zcash and Dash and the other privacy coins. Well, interesting, and like, you know, on the converse side of thing, you're seeing Dash grouped in these conversations for the South Korea discussions, and then you just had Coinbase add it to some of their systems. So Coinbase seemingly isn't too concern in this regard. Now, granted, they did specify that they're not allowing support of the privacy features, whatever that support means. Um, like, I don't know if that means you can send a private send transaction directly to Coinbase. I, I haven't tried that out and I never will try that out. So I don't know. But it's, it's sort of, I think, important context to keep in this discussion is that there still are many services that provide support for, for Monero in, in both South Korea and I guess other parts of the world. Okay, so are there any other comments people have in relation to this regulatory side? I know it's you know interesting news that came out. It's important to cover, but I still think it's 
I think it's just exchanges interpreting policies in, in different ways, but um, I'd love to hear other thoughts if, if, they're, if they're here. None? Okay, with that being said, Diego, thank you for joining us. Can you please introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. Um, Diego Salazar. Uh, some of you may know me from various things that I've done, but yes, Rarar. I'm uh, nobody important, really. Uh, <clears throat> do a few things around the Monero community and stuff, but uh, uh, some web work, the Revoir, um, which I want to discuss at some point here. Um, and we can do that when we have a free moment. But yeah, design work, that kind of thing. All right, thank you for joining us, Diego. All right, so we can move on to, I think, the most important topic today, which is in relation to Monero's upcoming software update, um, which is projected for sometime next month. <laughs> and uh, I, I asked around in the dev community, there is not an estimated update date yet, but that will be discussed during the Monero developer meeting tomorrow. So if you are interested in learning about like what is going on within the Monero development ecosystem, hop on Monero Dev as I just put it in chat there and participate in that discussion, discussion listen in. I'm going to cover some of the large changes that's going on and then I'm going to hand it off to HYC to talk about the largest change that is coming in this update if he's available to participate in the conversation. I know he has an on and off connection today. So first I wanna mention that there are significant Tor and I2P improvements in general to the protocol software. So a lot of work has been gone into this by VT Nerd, by JD Grassi, by NAC, in order to make sure that the Monero GUI and the Monero uh, CLI um, wallet software support Tor and I2P integration in a much more streamlined way. So that's, that's a huge process for it. I just wanna merely indicate that Torn I2P protection alone aren't going to save you from, you know, all the other problems with the transparent chain. But in Monero's case, it helps privacy in many regards. There are a lot of other design simplifications. I'm going to quickly review some other code hardening and documentation stuff. There's better spent output research tool. There's many P2P improvements. Uh, there's two consensus changes. So they enforce spending at least two outputs in a transaction and enforcing a 10 block minimum. These are things that Isthmus mentioned in his talk at the Monero Conferenco, which I thought was really, really interesting. There's IPv6 support, better handling of pruning, since Monero supports pruning, uh, better hand use of IMDB, other cleanups. Uh, also really important for services, long payment IDs are going away. So don't use them anymore. Use sub addresses, please. So time is ticking. Upgrade, please use sub addresses. You were, you were certainly warned earlier on. Um, there are improvements to the GUI build process for deterministic builds as we're getting there eventually, better tail support. Um, but of course, I think the update that really takes the big tagline for you know Monero news articles this time around is random X. So if HYC is available, I'm gonna hand it off to HYC to give a very, very brief overview of random X but then also cover what is really expected uh, with this update. Hey, well, I think things are working right now. Uh, Y'all hear me? We can hear you. Great. Uh, overview of random X. Um, okay. 
RandomX is a new proof of work algorithm that we've been working on for better part of uh, a year and a half now. And uh, as the name implies, it's it, it's heavily dependent on randomness. We're using randomly generated code, so the name is kind of a play on random execution. Uh, the point of RandomX is to make uh, make all mining dependent on CPUs or CPU-like devices. And so this will eliminate uh, fixed function ASICs. So that's the design goal. And we're pretty sure we've met that goal. Uh, do you need some more info on that? or? Sure. I, I think that was some good initial backgrounds. Um, what are some of the recent changes that you had to make after the audits to get it prepared for this update? Uh, OK. The audits really didn't show anything uh, particular for Monero's use of RandomX. The only thing that they really pointed out was uh, there are a lot of configurable parameters in the RandomX code base, and uh, if some other project were to adopt it and change those parameters, you know, they needed guidance on what were safe values to use. You know, if you exceeded particular ranges, then you might uh, overrun memory in various places or whatever. So most of the issues that the security audits turned up for RandomX were for non-default uh, configurations, and none of them actually affected the Monero implementation. Awesome. Very nice. I think, uh, does anyone else have comments generally about RandomX and what it means for Monero? Because I think that this was a really large decision that was made by the Monero community, a really important one. So I think it's important that we keep that really here today. Um, well, there's there's a couple things I could say just kind of in general, um, and this has less to do with RandomX in particular, but and more to do with kind of Monero's stance on ASIC resistance. Is that you'll hear people from um, different projects or of different ideologies say, well, ASICs are good for cryptocurrencies in the long run, or at you know at the very least they're neutral, um, and they're not forking away from them is not worth the centralization on the development team. And one thing that I, I say again and again, and I sound like a parrot, but um, I think it's something that we, the crypto community, cryptocurrency community has lost over time is that all of this is just kind of one big experiment. And we're, you know, if the ASIC way was to fail and we were to realize it was to fail, then we would have another experiment running that may succeed. Or if what Monero is trying here does fail because, you know what, it makes the chain too insecure, which we don't expect to happen. But if that was to happen, well, then, you know, we've got other experiments running and we can kind of go into one of those. If everybody's just doing the same thing, then we're not learning anything. We're not we're learning how to make better money. So in fact, like all those people who are like, oh, Monero, what they're doing is, is really stupid and they shouldn't be doing that. They're messing with the security. It's like, well, you know, everybody has theories, unsubstantiated theories about how things are going to work. But until things happen in real life, until we see how, um, you know, once something is actually implemented and it's out in the wild, we can't really say for sure whether or not it's going to work. I'm certain that many people looked at the Bitcoin white paper when it first came out and go, yeah, but I could see this or I could see this. And, you know, it's only 10 years later that we can see, OK, you know, all this stuff kind of works together and it kind of uh, makes something that is somewhat unique and somewhat special. 
um, <clears throat> it's not just a kind of on first read that we can look at this stuff and kind of accurately gauge what's going to happen. We can make projections and maybe even fairly accurate projections, but we don't know for sure. So it's worth. This is an experiment worth trying. This is something worth going to. Um, and this is that that's what excites me most about this is kind of the scientific aspect behind this. It's just something that hasn't really been done before. And for the first time, we're going to see what it looks like out there. <laughs> I think that's pretty well said, but I, I will disagree on one point. You know, if, if you looked at the Bitcoin white paper, anybody could see, hey, this shit won't scale. <laughs> yeah, granted. <laughs> Anyway, I would like to comment what on that one. <laughs> okay, because it's that opens no, the magic word. You said the magic word that brought Arctic Mind back into the conversation. Yeah, that one will. Um, you may want to read some of the. There's a fair amount of discussion, especially from Peter Todd, that about the need to add a tail emission to Bitcoin in order to prevent certain death throws and 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 uh, it's really interesting to look for example the discussion in places such as rbtc from the bitcoin cash community but <laughs> the fact of the matter is that the so-called satoshi fee market is and i say this in my opinion i repeated this in, in like more than one talk and discussion is a fundamental flaw in the design of bitcoin and that is why bitcoin can't scale um, I'll leave it at that, but it's just a phenomenal topic. You may want to research the, the stuff that's going on in um, Bitcoin talk with respect to um, Peter Todd's comments and some of the articles around uh, what's happening in, in, in RBTC and so on with respect to the idea of getting rid of the 21 million maximum number of Bitcoins. That is fascinating. Enough said. Cool. So, any other uh, questions about RandomX? When does RandomX 2 come out? And when do we build a hash function out of it? <laughs> RandomX 2? <laughs> we're, on, we're on version 1.1 and it hasn't even de been deployed yet. I mean, RandomX is so good. Why isn't there a RandomX 2? That's, that's oh. the meme. Vervar, you're right. Oh my gosh. Wow. Checkmate. <laughs> the next version will be, you know, just bigger and more of a memory hog and more of a CPU hog. That's just how it goes. All right. I think we can move on to the next topic, yeah, Justin. I, I, I had one quick question I wanted to cover that came in through chat. And someone asked, uh, Dennis asked, could you foresee a near future where lots of coins merge mine with Monero because of RandomX? What are your thoughts there? Do you think it's likely that we'll see more projects like Tari that try to merge mine with Monero? And, or do you think that it's likely they'll just watch from afar? And if it is successful, they'll adopt something like it. And then I, I do want at some point, it doesn't need to be Brandon first, but I'd like Brandon to eventually comment because I know he's mentioned some things about merge mining in the past. So far, you know, we've seen actually a large number of other projects just adopting the RandomX code, you know, lifting it straight out of the Monero code base. Um, and they're all running independently, so nobody has raised the topic of merge mining, and I'm not sure why they would need to if, you know, if they're happy to run completely independently as they are. That sounds super reasonable to me. 
Um, I mean, the thing, the thing about merge mining, I didn't want to just jump in, but like the, uh, it introduces just strange incentives and, um, uh, block withholding attacks mm -hmm. in the current system as it is designed, like are already strange and weird and hard to intuitively think about. And as soon as you start adding in, um, these weird incentives with side mm -hmm. chains that are merge mined or whatever, um, uh, things get weird. Yeah, in fact, I can't remember the name of the coin right now, but you know, one of the coins that recently adopted RandomX was merge mined with another coin before that. And you know, the write-up that I read about their switch, one of the reasons they justified it was because they were having problems, uh, because they were merge mined with whatever other chain they were. And um, yeah, if the you know, if you're just a minority interest on a larger chain, I think, you know, things can definitely work against you. Okay, very nice. Um, unless there are any other comments here, I'm going to move on to the next topic. Let me see. Okay, so Need Money 90 is back. Need Money, can you let us know what changes have happened in the Monero subreddit community since the last time we talked? Yeah, of course. Um, so we had a kind of nebulous rule that uh, previously existed, uh, Rule 6, which said that downvoting is against the rules. But that wasn't particularly enforceable, and it's more of an ethos than something that belongs on a rule list. Uh, so we decided to remove it and instead, uh, in its place, put a rule that we've been discussing for quite a while. Uh, so the, the new rule that uh, is on the separate it is people who are exchange representatives or representing a product uh, or a service need to actually self-identify and disclose that they're a representative of the service before uh, they can advertise it. So for example, if you have this, this should hopefully cut down on people coming in and saying, hey, have you guys seen this exchange? I just found it yesterday. And then you look at their post history and they've been posting about it for five months consistently. Um, there's there's just all sorts of situations where it would be better for the buyer to be aware that something is an advertisement as opposed to an honest assessment from somebody. So we'll, we'll see how that pans out, but I think it's going to be uh, a beneficial change. And that's that. Okay, thank you, Dean Money. Um, I don't, unless there are any additional comments there, <laughs> we, we can mention them, but I think that's pretty uncontroversial um, from my perspective generally. Um, I think you're right that saying don't downvote isn't really a rule, perhaps, like you shouldn't do it, but there's no way to enforce it, as you mentioned. Um, so let's move on to uh, the next topic. Uh, Scott, I wanna make sure one of your important initiatives isn't just swept under the rug in a bunch of other chaos. You are trying to rename the GUI, right? So can you talk a little bit about that and what your sort of next steps going forward and how people can participate in that discussion? Correct, yeah. So um, roughly a month ago, towards the end of last month, we had kind of an impromptu conversation in Dash community on Freenode about, um, hey, wouldn't it be great if we, you know, changed uh, referencing the 
uh, GUI, the graphic graphical interface side of the wallet um, change, referring to it from GUI, which may not necessarily be intuitive to you know power users and so forth, to something that has more of a it, easy to spell, easy to reference kind of deal. So um, I created an issue on the Monero uh, meta repo um, and with kind of a draft proposal of how we might go about collecting names, voting on names, very high level, um, uh, not kind of in the weeds. But um, so we talked about it very loosely towards the end of the last community chat. It was like at the tail end, so it didn't get a whole bunch of talk. Um, no one seemed opposed to it, per se. Um, so the next step is most likely going to be at the dev meeting uh, this Sunday. Um, I will pull for thoughts from kind of the, arguably the more key holder, you know, st uh, stakeholders, because they actually day in and day out work with the code base so it, you know changing names and so forth um, is more liable to break things than from a community perspective of hey it would just be great to have these this name change so we can make it easier for users um, so i'll try to have that in the dev meeting agenda um, i didn't see a dev meeting github issue uh quite uh was it two or three days ago when i checked um but yeah, so that's that's the next step. But basically, the end goal, as I said before, is to make it easier for users to reference, you know, the Monero wallet. So um, right now it's GUI, which I've seen people jokingly refer to it as like, you know, G-O-O-E-Y, um, that kind of thing. So um, just making it easier to reference, hopefully easier to brand as well um, I think will be a win but of course I you know we want general loose consensus across the community that that's something worth moving forward on it's been done before uh, someone in the GUI community actually did like a poll on like names I want to say maybe a year ago but that never was executed um, to I, I don't know necessarily the exact reason why. Um, but yeah that's pretty much it oh sorry 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 Scott We're having some technical difficulties. Give okay. <laughs> so okay. So yeah. Thanks, Scott, for for lining that out. So um, Diego, what what did you want to add to that? Well, bye, he wanted... Diego. <laughs> he wanted to run as far away from that conversation. Um, Diego. So you have the floor now. Okay. Diego. Cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, yes. Oh, my thought. My thoughts on the whole naming thing. It's a good idea, in my opinion, if done correctly. If done incorrectly, it can prove to be more um, more negative. It could have more negatives than good. It, uh, and you know, actually, I, I uh, realized this after discussing with uh, HYC and H in IRC and a few others who have been generally skeptical about doing something like this. Uh, and so he is here, he can speak for himself. Uh, but the in, in user experience, whenever you change something, anything, okay, uh, and 
it doesn't matter how small it can be the name it can be a small layout it can be a color and user experience when you change anything you are automatically at a disadvantage because what the user is used to is all of a sudden different even if it was a suboptimal way of doing things a bad flow or whatever the user has become used to it at this point um and the fact that you changed it even if it's to a better flow that will lead new users to less con confusion established users are going to be confused so you're automatically at a disadvantage. So the way that I think of it is, let's say it takes you down from zero to negative two. The change that you make has to be so good that it brings you up four or five points. So from negative two, it'll bring you up to three or four or something like that. It cannot just bring it back to zero um, or it cannot be just a, t a, a marginally good change that would only bring you up one point to negative one. It has to be substantially better uh, just to offset the automatic disadvantage that you have for changing anything to, in the first place. This is actually one of the reasons that you should get things right on the first try, which is almost impossible. Um, but uh, if the change is not good enough, it's going to be just a, a disadvantage for the foreseeable future. And so in, in that, with that in mind, changing to a confusing name or a name that doesn't mean anything I think would be mostly disadvantageous to us. So as an example, some of the previous things that were thrown around uh, when this was discussed like a year and a half ago was like Monero Kerna, which is Esperanto for core or um, Vidi, which means view also in Esperanto. So like we can choose an Esperanto word. We can choose a non-Esperanto word. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't I mean as long as it's uh, easy to spell and pronounce and, and stuff. But these words, they're cool. They sound cool, you know, but they don't really mean anything. They don't really tell you what you're doing. Um, so uh, in my opinion, uh, something similar to uh, HYC suggested the Monero app. Okay, that's that's very simple. It's dirt simple. In fact, it's, it's like almost it, it's almost moronic to call it the Monero app. But everybody knows what an app is. Everybody knows what an application is. And at this point, it's become ubiquitous, not just for phones, but the, the terminology is also crossing over to desktop things as well. Um, you know, and, and install an app on your desktop is not unheard of. Um, these days and especially for this for this new generation so i'm not saying that's necessarily the name i'm going for but something similar to that that kind of tells you what you're doing that it's like we'll download the monero app to use monero like that makes sense as opposed to download the monero vidi wallet which is stewarded by the core team or something um to to use monero in the safest way possible uh would it get confusing if there's other wallets floating around here and there? Uh, maybe, but in a sense, it also kind of sets a definitive standard. It says, well, this is the Monero app and you know, other people are, are doing their own thing, but this is the one that the community wholeheartedly recommends. I, I think <clears throat> I'm kind of torn about this. In, in one sense, GUI, like there's nothing inherently wrong with it, except for the fact that it's kind of nerdy and, and anyone who's not nerdy isn't going to get it. But it, it, to those people who aren't as nerdy and they don't get it, like the word GUI is just kind of what the wallet is called. It's just kind of the name of the wallet. They don't understand that it stands for graphical user interface, but they think that maybe it's just what the wallet is called. 
So uh, we're just changing from one thing in their eyes to another thing. And so we have to make that better and less confusing and more understandable. Similar to form funding system, changing to community crowdfunding system, like in the name, even though it's a very unwieldy name, um, in the name, you, you read what it is and you know what it is, as opposed to having to guess what does, what does the acronym also isn't FFS. That's, that's also a major improvement. Yes. So that's that's my thoughts on the subject. Yeah, I, I mentioned before that I I'm a little worried that Monero app is slightly too vague. Like if you say download the Monero app, I'm like, okay, which one? <laughs> like Monero Cake Wallet, like what? There's multiple apps. So I think it's confusing maybe from that regard, but I do generally agree that it needs to be something simple like download the Monero wallet, not some weird thing someone's never heard of before. I, I totally agree in that regard. Okay, so if there are no other comments, um, just, you know, if, if you're interested, because this is something that anyone can help with, anyone can have an opinion on what the wallet should be named, make sure that you track that GitHub issue that I linked in chat there so that you can participate in that discussion going forward. I'm sure there will be many community polls and things going into the future. I don't think the wallet will be changed for this update, but you know, going forward, we'll, we'll want to rename it at some point. Um, okay, so Diego, you said you wanted to mention some of the Revoir stuff. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, so first before I jump into that, Serang has a CCS proposal open, community crowdfunding system proposal open. He wants to work for another three months for us and we need our awesome PhDs to keep doing their work. Brandon is already funded, but Sarang is not. So please go check out his proposal and donate money to him. Ba -ba -ba. I'm the CCS representative. This message is approved by Diego. Okay, um, so the Revoir stuff. For those of you who don't know, you could go to um, revoir-monero.com. Um, and this is another thing that is an Esperanto name, and some people have, have requested me to change it because it's kind of confusing to remember. Um, but revoir-monero.com, for those of you who don't know, is a weekly kind of newsletter in the similar vein of Monero Moon. And uh, what, was the, what was the other one called? Uh, I don't remember. There were a couple of other weekly Monero newsletters. Monero Monitor was one. Was it? Uh, I think that, that was, was the podcast. podcast. That was the podcast. No. Um, oops, excuse me. Um, but yeah, so kind of we just summarize what's happened in Monero world this past week and, you know, anything from if Monero was added to a new place or some major news events from the community or what have you. Yeah, the Monero Observer. Thank you, chat. Um, we do have that as well. Uh, we do have that, but we also have what are supposed to be quarterlies. Um, and we just published the one for the first half year because we missed the, the first two quarters of this um, past half year. Um, so from January 1st to June 30th. And I, I guess one of the things I just wanted to ask and posit to the community and to those on the call and to those listening um, is uh, the goal of the Revoir is to just provide relevant, useful information at a, on a consistent basis. So the weeklies are going to be kind of for more people who are more into Monero and just want to, you know, um, maybe you're, you're into Monero, but don't have the time to spend every day on Monero resources. So it's just kind of a way for you to catch up. The quarterlies in, my, in our minds is kind of, um, 
if somebody asks, oh yeah, well, what has Monero done recently? Well, you just give them a quarterly and it just kind of summarizes the big major milestones that we've done. It doesn't get into all the nitty gritty details like the weeklies do. So it's very shareable. But um, I just want... I don't want to assume what is going to be relevant to the community. I don't want to just assume what is going to be high quality information. Um, it, you know, I'm one guy and it's very possible that I'm missing something major where people are like, I really wish you had um, a summary of this on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis, or um, easy access to XYZ information. I, I would like to ask the community, I would like to ask the people on the chat, please uh, let me know what is going to be helpful to you guys? Um, yeah. So what do people want to see Diego rant about in, in typed form on a continuous basis? So to give you some perspective, Diego and I were talking a little bit about the Revoir for this most recent quarterly edition. Um, and we're debating a little bit about what to include there. So that's like, is that what prompted this discussion from you, Diego? Or is it, is it a bunch of other stuff? Yeah, uh, yes. Sorry, let me refresh the page. Perfect time for connectivity issues. Um, yeah, so if you're in chat, make sure to let us know what type of updates would be really important to you. Do you want general news? Do you want development updates? Like, should it only be development focused? Should it be work group focused? What type of things do you want to see? And keep in mind that not everyone necessarily wants to read a 50-page report every quarter, and Diego might not have the time to write a 50-page report every quarter. So um, what, what's a good healthy medium, do you think? Right. And, and and specifically, you know, if there's sections that are not there that you would like to see there, like we do try to provide some blockchain statistics, we do try to provide, uh, it's like we, we have in the past tried to do the Monero Merchant of the Week or, or FOSS Project that accepts Monero of the Week. There just aren't that many. So we're, we're kind of focusing on trying to get more so um, we can we can re revitalize that section. But um, yeah, if there's any section of information that you really wish you had, please let us know. We're always trying to improve that. Uh, we're trying to get the word out um, and let you let your friends know that are kind of interested in Monero, but don't really know this is a good resource to try to let people know kind of what we're what we're up to on a on a weekly and on a quarterly basis. OK, thank you, Diego. It sounds like people are being pretty quiet today, but I would definitely recommend making some posts and seeing what type of content people want as you prepare the next one. Um, because it's important to cover information that people would like to to see. And to the person who asked where they could subscribe to this, go to the Revoir-Monero website. It's linked up slightly higher in chat, KB, and then you'll be able to see that. Um, HYC, is there anything you want to leave us with before you need to take off? We are ending. We have about seven minutes left on this call. Okay, so if nothing yet. So. Uh, Brandon said he wanted to mention one more thing about MRL-related fun stuff that he's been working on, but he is unfortunately not in this chat. So I'm sure he'll be popping in a second again likewise too. But they've been doing a lot of recent work on, um, on ring signatures and other related items. So hopefully we can have him hop back in. Is there anything else, you know, while we're waiting for people to hop in, it's, I get, I'm going to call it free time. It's free for all time now. So if Saray comes back, he can mention MRL stuff. Otherwise, if there are other fun things that you're working on, now's the time to 
jump in and mention it. I mean, I would love to talk about what it's going to be like if CPUs are the new dominant uh, hardware on the network, because that hasn't particularly been a thing for, well, since, since I can remember, since 2011 or 2012. Uh, and it's going to be very interesting to see how that changes the landscape, because anybody who has a decent computer is actually going to be able to mine and that's a big deal. They'll, they'll be able to mine efficiently at that, like within an order of magnitude of the commercial uh, outfit. It's it's going to be super cool to watch. I am really excited. And I, I know that Monero got some press in the past, but I think that this is something that many people will be watching because it's, it's different. I mean, Monero did a novel thing where it decided to hard fork to remove ASICs in the past, but this is a completely different level. And, you know, there's there's Ethereum interest because of prog power related things. There's Bitcoin related interest because people sort of want to see what's going on. And I think it's one way that Monero is differentiated compared to, you know, other projects. You know, most people think of the privacy aspect and that is important, but also this is this is on many people's mind that, minds, I feel. All right, so I guess um, we can end on final thoughts in relation to the upgrade that's going on. What, like, we, we talked about some of the things that have been covered. You know, I've covered some things that will be included in this update that's coming up you know, next month. Where do we see Monero going in the next six months? What do you think will be some of the cool things that will come out in that time frame? Well, one kind of meta thing that I just want to mention in regards to the coffee chat is that maybe, so we do have a developer meeting tomorrow um, that is going to take place on IRC. And now that Arctic Mine is here, actually, I would like to officially uh, or unofficially just invite him. I've already messaged the other core team members because since we are getting close to it, we would like the core team uh, to be very present. Um, so please be present tomorrow, Sunday at 17 UTC. Um, that would be great in the Monero Dev IRC channel. And after we, after that, and maybe the next one, maybe we can have another coffee chat, not in a month's time, but in a couple of weeks time, just because we should hopefully have more information of like when it's going to take place and uh, the things that are for sure going to be on there and the things that are just going to be kind of pushed to a point release. So it may be worth having a discussion time coffee chat type thing in a couple of weeks time, rather than a month after we have more information. I, about that. I think that is actually a really good idea to go to. Give some perspective. If you're a long-time viewer of this coffee chat, you should remember six months ago when we had our protocol upgrade coffee chat, um, when it went on for two hours while you we were waiting for the next block to finally be mined. That was fun. <laughs> yep, Need Money remembers that. Uh, hopefully some other people watching this remember that. That was a good time, and we had some decent number of people that were interested in watching the update and watched us, even though we had nothing to talk about. That was like 46 people, wasn't it? It was like some of the highest view count that we've had, and we were just like waiting for a block. I guess everybody else was waiting for the block, and they just wanted to hang out in the same room. Yeah, so maybe there's a clear demand for this, and we should do yeah. it again. It's like New Year's party, kind of. I'd, I'd be down for uh, a coffee chat right before the next uh, upgrade. I'll be awake for it, for sure. I don't want to be asleep for the block that uh, everything goes haywire. Yeah, I too would be down for that kind of party. Let's make it happen. 
Okay, we just unofficially scheduled another party, so get ready. Um, we'll, we'll have to see what time of day it is, but we'll make it happen. So that's a nice happy note to end on. So besides just scheduling a party in the next few weeks, how else do you see Monero changing in the next six months? <laughs> Gets better. Uh, I think compressed ring signatures is probably going to be the next big thing. I don't. It sounds like there's potential for it to happen in, in April hard fork, but I think that'll probably be the last potential six month cadence hard fork unless someone else discovers something crazy that's like, oh, we can implement this in another six months and it'll bring massive improvements to the performance of Monero, but. Um, I say watch what's coming out of the MRL with respect to uh, not just C-Slack, but also some of the other things on the pipeline with respect to more efficient privacy options. Um, I, there's going to be a lot coming from there. I'm not necessarily convinced that's going to happen in a six-month time frame. In fact, it's going to be a longer time frame, but that's one area that I would watch very, very carefully because it has profound impact on what is essentially the the size of um, the, the size of the mixing and also transaction sizes. So those two I would watch very carefully. All right. Thank you everyone for joining us today on that note. I'm going to let everyone off the hook here. But um, I know that uh, Ismus said he woke up recently and wanted to say hi to everybody. Um, wish he could made it. I know that in Brandon's case, the internet in his entire neighborhood went down, so that's why he wasn't able to finish with us, um, of course. So again, thanks everyone for joining us. It looks like we will not be seeing you in four weeks. We'll be seeing you sooner than that at whenever the upgrade occurs, so be ready for that. Attend the Monero Dev meeting that is happening tomorrow on the Freenode Monero-Dev channel. So please take advantage of that, and we will catch you in the next one. Cheers. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.